Proverbs 17.22 says, a joyful heart is good medicine. Have you ever heard that laughter is the best medicine? I mean, well, we've all heard that, that laughter is the best medicine. And honestly, over the years, I actually have a background in comedy. I have found that to be so true, that sometimes a belly laugh, just watching a funny movie, listening to some stand-up comedy is the best medicine. Comedy is just something that connects us. It, it unites us. When we can laugh together, we feel closer together. My guest today is using his gift of making people laugh to change lives. Welcome to Business with Purpose. I'm your host, Molly Stillman of Still Being Molly, and this show is all about bringing you the stories behind the brands, companies, and small businesses that are changing the world. Each week, I interview an entrepreneur, CEO, nonprofit director, community leader, or just an incredible person who's trying to make a positive impact, not only through their personal life, but also with their career. My goal is to show you that no matter what you do for a living, you can make an impact wherever you are. My guest this week is Kevin Fredericks, a.k.a. Kev on Stage. With nearly 5 million combined followers across social media and nearly 140 million views on YouTube, Kevin Fredericks, a.k.a. Kev on Stage, is an El Paso, Texas native and fast-rising entertainer. Kev serves as an actor, comedian, playwright, producer, director, filmmaker, and full-on content creator. Standing at the forefront of the fastest-moving technology trend, social media, Kev has already sold out a 50-city self-produced tour, wrote and produced a Nickelodeon sketch comedy show, wrote, directed, and produced two movies, and grew comedy and entertainment platform all-deaf digital from 300,000 fans to over 10 million. I love Kev on stage. I have been a huge fan of his for quite a while, and so I was honored to have him on the show. We laughed so hard throughout this entire show, and I know you will too. Man, oh, it was so good. And so without further ado, on to my chat with Kev. I am so pumped to have the Kev on stage, Kevin Fredericks, on the show this morning. And Kevin, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. It's my dear pleasure to be on. <laughs> well, I have to, before we dive into uh, the Kevin 101, um, I just want to say that I <laughs> I, re- I realize you probably get this all the time when, as a comedian and you travel and people are like, oh man, I do comedy. Like I, I do stand up. Let me tell you a joke. Um, I'm not going to yeah. do that. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you a joke. Um, but I am a former comedian. Uh, <laughs> I did improv. Oh, you really are? Yeah, I, I really am. I did improv and sketch comedy for 15 years um I tried my hand at stand-up and that is not my like that's not (laughs) that's not me uh I like to just make stuff up on the spot (laughs) so that's why I liked improv um but I have dreamed fan of improv yes I did improv in college oh that's awesome where did you do improv well I just took some some classes I think it was called Jet City Improv in Seattle yeah or maybe I just watched them perform. I don't know. Maybe I'm having revisionist history and making myself more than what I want. But I do like doing improv. <laughs> it's so much fun. Um, but I have dreamed yes. of having a comedian on this show. And you are like episode 150 something. So it's taken 150 plus episodes. But finally, I have a comedian oh. on here. So I'm so excited. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, well, man, you just have just such an amazing resume. And I'm so excited to just really hear more of kind of the behind the scenes and um, more about who you are as a 
human. Um, and so I'm going to have you give us what all our guests give us, and that is the Kev 101. So tell us who you are um, and what you do and how you got to kind of where you are today. Okay. Well, I'm a stand-up comedian. I actually – my very kind of bounces around. I started with stand-up comedy. I did my first performance when I was in in high school at a church uh, talent show, and I kind of fell in love with it then. But I didn't, you know, I wasn't doing it crazy. I just did it here, you know, that one time. Then I did it a couple of times in college. In college, I was focusing on plays. My my best friend and my brother and I, we wrote and directed original plays. We actually, when we didn't know what we were doing, we kind of did improv plays. We just did like, hey, we'll do this, this thing, this and that scene. And we just kept rehearsing it until we had, you know, like a full hour and a half play. And then my brother and I wrote a play that won a play competition in college in the the University of Washington, where I went, bow down to Washington, um, they produced our first play. So they, you know, put it up and everything like that. My wife was a stage manager. So for the first couple of years of my performance um, life, I was focusing on that. And we got way to, you know, producing these plays in, in Seattle. And we had uh, Tyler Perry or a guy who Tyler Perry had booked or he had booked Tyler Perry's plays. And he we flew him out and he loved loved our play and he was like we want to put this play up in 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 oakland for two days and we were like yes we've made it this is going to be the beginning of our career and he said all i need from you is three hundred thousand dollars for you guys to put it up we're like what why would you need us he's like oh that's that's how it works you got to find your own investors you know i helped you promote it you know put your own money up and at that time we all had small children of like literally three and one olds or four and four and two year olds actually five and three of my sons so we all had kids under five mm. and uh three hundred dollars might well have been eight billion like that that was so that was so much money we probably didn't even have a thousand dollars in our bank accounts combined so uh we were literally gonna quit we were gonna quit uh doing plays and just focus on raising our kids and i said um before we do that let's let's try to because i had been watching youtube at work all the time much more than i actually did work (laughs) and i saw (laughs) there were some people that i would follow that had made a career out of it and i was like i don't know if we can make a career out of it but we can at least perform you know funny sketches and stuff on youtube and maybe more people will know about us and then we can travel our plays so the guys were like okay look we, you know, we'll do this if it doesn't work you know no no harm no foul we'll just go back to coaching our little kids our, our sons and their basketball team and the first two videos that we did together went viral literally there was this, this trend going on called stuff girls say and we did stuff black church girls say and we did stuff black parents say <laughs> and both of those videos went really viral so we were like oh man this could work and we i mean we switched all of our energy from live plays to youtube we were releasing a video a week and probably our first 10 12 videos went really viral and this is when youtube was the only video hosting site so you know we we switched to youtube then and for the most part since that day uh video content on social media has played a huge role in in everything i've done i mean we started getting paid from youtube not enough to quit our jobs because we had to split three ways and we had a credit card bill that i cannot go into detail with because it upsets my wife (laughs) when she listens to this episode (laughs) um (laughs) we were making some income and then i started my own channel and started 
my own videos and I quit my job and started back doing stand-up comedy. For the most part, everything has come from the internet. All, all my successes have, have come from, you know, putting funny videos on the internet. I even, my son got a, got booked in a little Rascals remake that was went straight to DVD and we moved to LA. We were working for TV for a couple of years, which gave me my first 26 TV credits, writing sketches for my kids, directing and editing. And then I working for a digital media company years uh, called All Death. And then last year I quit my job and I've been doing YouTube podcasts and stand-up comedy, that combination for for myself for the last six months. That is so awesome. I love and, that kind of like roundabout way of, of becoming a playwright and then just being like, oh, we're going to make viral videos on YouTube. But um, yeah, I mean, you have, yeah. oh gosh, I mean, your videos have now amassed over 140 million views on YouTube, which is just incredible. Um, and I, okay, we just have to talk about this because I have to talk about how I actually came across you. And the okay. first video that I ever came across I have watched it. I cannot even tell you how many times. Uh, I'm embarrassed <laughs> to say that I like maybe nearly peed myself the first time I watched it. I was laughing so hard. Um, and that is the video where you talk about the day you found out Bobby Caldwell is white. And I oh yeah, could not stop laughing. So if you are listening to this episode and you have not seen this video, it's just the funniest thing and I even showed it to my husband he was crying laughing I've sent it to every person I know because you're just like <laughs> incredulous you're like wait but Bobby Caldwell is white like the man who sings do for love is white like I was sure he was black and like <laughs> absolutely that was actually the day I found out that that literally was the day my brother posted that video like I said that in the video but it was I was still processing that information while I was making it. I was just, just like, I, every, everything's a lie. Everything I've ever known is a lie. <laughs> well, it's just, yeah, because you're like, you're like, I called out sick. I, I like, uh, what is, what else? If this is, if this is true, like, what else is true? Like, what other lies have I been living? And, <laughs> oh my gosh! But you're just like, like, Bobby Caldwell is white as the summer day is long. Like, <laughs> oh my gosh! And what was it that you said? He looked like Indiana Jones. <laughs> he does. He follows me on Twitter too. Now we're. we're... Best friends. <laughs> oh my gosh. But then the other part that like just slayed me is so in this in this video, you're you're talking about how like you you really I can tell that you are just very surprised that Bobby Caldwell, what you won't do for love, the singer of that song is white. And yes. and you're talking about how like you're like, no, 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 no. Bobby Caldwell is the guy that every uncle like has <laughs> Like in his life, where he's like, "You're gonna go down. You're gonna get yourself a Buick Skylark. Get yourself like." And I, <laughs> oh my gosh, um, because it's so true. Like every, like I grew up outside of Washington D.C., and so um, I grew up in a very diverse neighborhood, and I know. Like Bobby Caldwell, like my yeah. my black friends' uncles talked about Bobby Caldwell <laughs> and how you go you you're gonna go down you're gonna get yourself a Buick Skylark and like what were those there was like oh there was a couple other things that you said 
that just if you want it done right you go to bobby caldwell you just want it done you don't go to bobby caldwell Yes. But if you want it done right for a good price, you go see Bobby Caldwell. You go see you, you go see Bobby Caldwell. <laughs> My husband and I were talking about this, and I was like, you know what? Like white people, we have a Bobby Caldwell too. His name isn't Bobby Caldwell, but we do have right. a, his name is like Mac Wilson Jr. And like, is it really? Oh yeah, yeah. That that's his name is Mac Wilson Jr. Everybody's got a Mac Wilson. Like every redneck in the South <laughs> has a Mac Wilson. And like that's that's the guy that that's you call funny. you call you're like, oh yeah, you gotta go call down a Mac Wilson. You gotta he he'll fix your septic tank. He'll uh you take your pickup truck, he'll get you a load of mulch. Like <laughs> <laughs> a load of mulch. <laughs> I haven't heard that since I moved from Washington State. <laughs> yeah. He'll fix your he'll fix your carburetor. He'll uh Wow, that's funny. He'll winterize your windows. Like <laughs> I'm telling you, like we have one too. So uh anyway, I just it really is one of those things that, like, every time I watch it, I laugh. And um, as soon, so when I came across that viral video, I was like, okay, well, this guy's hilarious. I need to follow him. Um, and and so it's just like you post videos like that that just resonate with so many people. Um, and it's like cross-cultural lines, uh, intergenerational. Oh, yeah. It's oh, it's so so good um when did you realize like as you were posting these videos that a lot of that stuff like a lot of the stuff that you is your is a part of your comedy is just you're taking bits and pieces of real life and you're just you know flipping it on its head a little bit you're just kind of elevating it at at what point did you realize like this is something that i'm actually really good at you know i I was doing sketches, and those were a lot harder. You know, you've got to set up and mm-hmm. meet and, and, and all that stuff. And then I was finding out, like, one thing I like to do on my own channel was just, like, make fun of everyday life. And I realized that, you know, if if people were, on the internet at least, relatability is more important than than humor. Mm-hmm. People, if they agree with something, if they if they... If they also thought Bobby Cobble was white, they're more likely to share that video. <laughs> now, if they, it's relatable and funny, then you have the best of both worlds. But I, I tend to focus more on relatability. Like, you know, that's why a lot of my fans are grew up at the same time as me because of the same childhood. You know, you know, we grew up without this, without that. But I feel like um, I want to say once we start when we first started YouTube, I, I found that you know, this would work. Uh, finding out the relatability part was probably a couple of years later yeah. when I uh, realizing that sometimes you don't have to put that much work into it as far as like work being like production setup. Just see something. And if you have this thought, then somebody else probably thinks that too. And if don't, you know, bring them along to your point of view, which is something you do in stand-up comedy all the time. You show people your point of view of the world and hope they either see it that way too or find the humor in seeing it your way. Yeah. Uh, one of the other videos that I think about when I, when you say sort of that, like people who grew up in the same generation kind of find it relatable and funny. And that was the one where you talked about like the the water that came out of the hose on the side of the house. Yeah, and, like, had that, that's that is, exactly what I mean. That is the most delicious water. It's rusty. And, and we grew up. <laughs> all, I grew up in El Paso, Texas. You grew up outside of Washington, D.C. Yeah. People grew up all my wife grew up you know, on military bases all over the world, yet we all drank that 
that water because when we were growing up, our parents made us go outside and we we wanted to stay outside and you couldn't come in. So (laughs) they didn't have food for you. And I actually put that joke that's in my set this year. You know, they didn't even give us lunch. They just you go eat breakfast and you don't come back until it's dark. So we were surviving nearly off of side of the house water. And it was amazing. (laughs) And everybody agreed because we all had to drink it. Yes, yes. And you had like the key is you got to let it run for like 30 30 to 60 seconds. Get that like boiling hot water. Let the hot water out, all the dirt, whatever spiders just crawled in, all that (laughs) stuff's got to come out. But when it comes back in smooth, oh my gosh, Mm. it's cool and crisp. Cool and crisp. Rust filled. (laughs) Rust filled. Probably getting tetanus, but. So yeah, good. exactly. Yes, but that yeah, that it's that kind of stuff that just unites us. It's like we have all had that experience. Like I love that yeah, you you grew up in Texas, I grew up in DC, your wife grew up all over yet like every kid that grew up kind of in the 80s and 90s, like that is our Right. that's our childhood. Um and so that Exactly. And you hit the nail on the head, especially when you talk about when it's relatable and funny. Um, now, one yeah. thing that I also know and, and really admire about you is um, how faith really has impacted your career and your family life. Um, you grew up in the church. Uh, you're, you know, and you're a comedian who is a Christian. You're not a Christian comedian. And I'd love for you to kind of talk a little bit about that part of you and and how that has really kind of played into your comedy and and how that's influenced the work that you do yeah me my family is very religious I'm very religious we grew up you know when it was um very common to go to church literally five six times a week that's not even an exaggeration we literally went more days then we didn't go Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday morning, all day, Sunday, every day for the entirety of my childhood, majority of probably until I went to college. That's when I didn't have to go to church twice a week. And that's only because I was, you know, in a different city. Mm-hmm. So that's that's a big part of who I am. The reason I say I'm a, Christ, a comedian who's a Christian is because it's just like a NBA player. You're not a Christian NBA player. You just mm-hmm. play in the NBA. And you have to be the NBA and you are a Christian as well. And the reason I use that disclaimer is because if you, I found that if people think you're a Christian comedian, then all your jokes are about, you know, church yeah. and church related things. And I always have jokes about church, but there's a lot of other stuff in my life. That's funny. My kids, my point of view, the way I grew up, my marriage stuff that's happened to me. So I don't want people to think they're only going to hear jokes about the church. You know, sometimes I talk, you know, my wife and marriage and married life, depending on the audience, you know, so it's, it's, it's just more than, then, you know, jokes about what happens in, in this church versus that church. And I just think, you know, that that allows me to make fun of things like Bobby Carver. Some comedians, <laughs> you know, they, they focus on the church and there's nothing wrong with that. And I could have done that, but that just limits how many videos I can make and how many topics I can speak on. So I just wanted the whole world to be able to, I, I wanted to be able to make fun of the whole world, I guess, including myself. Yeah. No, I... <laughs> That's a really important distinction. And I, I love that you made that connection between like you wouldn't say that you're a Christian NBA player. You're just an NBA player who right. happens to be a Christian. Um, uh, and, and you see yeah. that kind of more and more in a lot of fields where, you know, let's just be honest, like especially in the entertainment industry, it is harder to kind of see 
people who are in the entertainment industry wearing their faith very publicly um, and, and people who kind of have their faith influence their content. And so, but I, I think that, like you said, it doesn't pigeonhole you into being like for one audience. And in a lot of ways, it, it gives you the opportunity. I mean, like if Jesus is commanding us to go out to all the nations and spread the gospel, like this is an opportunity for you to reach more people because, you know, people who maybe aren't Christians can come to your shows and they think, man, this guy's really funny and there's something different about him, you know? Yeah, that's exact. That's exactly right. You know, I've, I have a lot of my shows in churches and people will be like, man, I've been in a church in years, but I just wanted to, to, to see you live or they're on my page. And, you know, as I have successes, I always talk about God. Thank God. I always have, you know, little messages where I take things in regular life and I, I, did it if you're like if your pastor preached on them like you know i did a, one a couple of weeks ago the lord is an avenger which is the real scripture and i did that the week avengers came out yeah. so of course you're gonna start laughing but sometimes people in the comments are like man this is the only church i see you know he was playing but this low-key a message things like that yeah so i feel like that's what my platform uh is for to show that you can have a, a good life with god and 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 you know, all the things he's done for me, he can do for you, you know, that type of thing. And sometimes you'll find a, a good message um, amongst the jokes. Okay, I'm so sorry to break from this conversation with Kev, but I wanted to take a moment to thank our sponsor, and that's the Happiness Planner. They are one of my absolute favorite companies because they design some of the most beautiful, inspirational planners, journals, and notepads. I love the Happiness Planner because it helps to keep me on track and find joys each and every day. They also have beautiful journals that focus on different themes, such as confidence, gratitude, growth mindset, and purpose great tools that help you become more self-aware, happier, and more fulfilled. And for those of you who like to use apps, the Happiness Planner is also available as a mobile and web app, which I love. Now, how is it different from other calendar and to-do list apps out there? Well, on top of schedule and to-do list, it comes with functions like monthly goal setting and reflections, meal and exercise recording, gratitude journaling, energy level trackers, and daily inspirational quotes and articles. You can check out their web app at thehappinessplanner.io or download the mobile apps from the App Store or Google Play. You can also download their printables for free from their website, thehappinessplanner.com. And you can use the coupon code LIVEWITHPURPOSE for 10% off. Now, back to my chat with Kev. I have this question that I've really always wanted to ask somebody who is a comedian, who is mm-hmm. also a Christian. Um, and that is, I mean, so like, like I said at the beginning, I did a very brief <laughs> stint at stand-up comedy. Sketch and improv was, my, was more my scene. But I've been to a lot of stand-up shows in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is some bad stand-up comedy out there. Uh, <laughs> there is, oh boy, there are some bad stand-ups. Um, and sometimes you just want to like go up to those people and be like, "This, honey, honey, let's no, we should. It's, it's time to sit down." Uh, <laughs> um, but I, I've, I've seen so many comedians and and comics who will stand up on the stage and they are just bombing. Like they are bombing. The audience is not feeling it. There are pity laughs left and right. And I've seen right. so many comics who, when they get when they're not trained and they don't they don't really know they just start going like for shock value and so they start yeah. dropping f bombs and they start t- 
you know, telling dirty jokes and stuff like that, which nine times out of 10 does not win the audience back over. It just kind of digs yourself deeper in a hole. As somebody who obviously you have done a lot of shows um, and, and you're a comedian who is a Christian, what do you do in those in those moments when you feel like, oh, man, because every every comic has had that show where you're just like, oh, man, the audience is not giving me the feedback that I want. And, and instead of going for the shock value, what what kind of tactics or strategies do you do since you don't necessarily like pull an F-bomb out of your pocket? Right. So there's a couple of different times this has happened in my career. Luckily, it's 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 been it, the thing is, if you're not getting paid like by a certain amount of time, you know, when when it happened early and I was just having a bad set, I would just, hey, thank you all so much. Good night. You mm-hmm. know, like it's totally OK to get off the stage if you are not <laughs> doing your job, which <laughs> is to make people laugh. You got 10 minutes and you're seven minutes in and they haven't laughed. It's just let's save us all some heartache and let those uh, last three minutes, let the host <laughs> figure out how to get yeah. how to get the audience back. Because he's usually a stronger comedian uh, than you or does the audience a little bit better. Um, when I was very young in comedy, I was hosting a step show and I had a terrible opening joke segment. And this was the beginning of a three hour thing. So that time I just jokes. I was supposed to be joking and introducing people in time. And I did none of those. I was just like this audience. Hey, I had already gotten booed. It was five minutes into the three-hour show, and I just was like, "Well, I'll just continue announcing the next uh, step- steppers, and I will remove myself from the comedic park of, of this show." Uh, but th- my my answer is just I generally got off stage. Luckily, now uh, at this level of my comedy, I have jokes that are kind of like foolproof. And the other part is now, for the most part, people are coming to see me because they're fans, so they're not. You know, I don't have to like early in my career, I, I had to prove to people that I was funny. So mm-hmm. you, I felt I dealt with that a lot more. But now people usually see my videos and they're excited to come see me. So I don't have to, you know, prove to them that I'm funny. And I usually working new material amongst old material that works. Or yeah. I, you know, sometimes I even try it out on the on the Internet like that water hose video. I did that on the Internet. And now and now that's a piece of my my set because, you know, not everybody has seen every video and, you know, it, it works on stage in the midst of this, you know, section on kids that I'm doing. So those are my kind of taxes. Either get off the stage early or focus on something that does well. And it's all I really have. Yeah. No, I think that's a good point that you now you're at a, you're at a stage where the audience knows you. And so you've already won them over before you have even stepped on the stage. So that's a big that's a big part of being a comedian is having that relationship with fans and the audience. And um, you've done such a great job through building your social media platform that, you know, your fans are built in. Like this is an audience that loves you and they are like, they want to see you succeed. But man, those open mic nights, when you go to those open mic nights and you see those comics just bombing and you're just, Oh man, my heart breaks for them. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I, I had the, you know, that's a, one of the reasons I'm the comedian I am is because I built my career on those stages. You know, yeah. the first thing yeah. that I had to deal with last year was people didn't know I was a comedian. A lot of people didn't know I was a stand-up comedian. And there's a lot of stand-up comedians who are, are who started on social media and then they've tried to go to stand-up and they found out that it's really hard to do mm-hmm. 30 minutes of stand-up if you haven't, you know, built it up. But luckily, I had been doing stand-up the entire time. You yeah. know, I was getting booked for stand-up before social media and then back years from the you know 2012 viral videos people were booking me 
then it's just once I really started going viral consistently, probably about two years ago, I started putting all my videos on Facebook and uh, and, and Instagram at, as Facebook became video first. And as Instagram allowed you to do a minute, that really helped my career because YouTube was a site that people go to 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 search for videos. Facebook and Instagram is a site that you're already on. So you're much more likely to see my my content there. But but I thank the Lord that I was. Uh, and that's why my tour is called The Real Comedians of Social Media is because we were all really doing comedy before social media. And we want you to know that you are going to get a good comedy show when you come see us. Yeah, no, that's a great point. I've never thought about uh, the fact that you go to YouTube, but you're already on Instagram and Facebook. And so when stuff kind of goes yeah. viral, it comes across your feed. I mean, yeah, and that's yeah. that's how I saw the Bobby Caldwell thing. That's how I saw the water hose thing is that just people sharing it and then I shared it. And so it's just that, that's how content goes more easily viral. I mean, I think back into like the 2000, like the early days of YouTube, like 2007, 2008. And, and do you remember E-Bombs World? Yeah, E-Bombs World, Break.com. <laughs> yes. That's where you found all those, you know, clips of people falling yes. and playing the piano. You know, I love that stuff. Yes. You know, and I'm really grateful that, you know, when I first started, you had to put a YouTube link in the com, you know, in your caption for Facebook, mm-hmm. and Instagram wasn't even around, so you had to be watching on video. But now there's so many platforms that are sharing video that I post video on Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. Yeah, all you know what I mean because you just there's people who follow me on one platform, but but no other ones, and you just some things go viral on one and on and not on the other. Some go viral on all. I mean, hardly any go viral on all, but. It's just a lot of a lot of uh, clicking upload and post. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I you know, I haven't even really thought about it until just this very moment, but your comedy brings I mean, it, that's the nature of comedy is just it brings joy to people, but how social media has played such a huge role in your career and how nowadays like you hear people I, whenever I say that I sound like a old, like crotchety old woman I'm like man nowadays man, like the good old <laughs> days um, but you know nowadays like really we t- we hear so often about how social media is just like a cesspool of negativity and like yeah. how it just there's so much darkness but by using social media as a platform for good and and how you've really used it to influence people in a positive way. Um, What is your, like, at the end of the day, like, yes, you love to make people laugh. You love to create this, um, this great content to that for people to share. Like, what is your ultimate goal with your comedy? What's your motivation day in and day out? My ultimate goal is to be able to produce long form content independently. That's, Movies. Um, I, I use the term web series loosely because now, thanks to like Facebook watching things, the line between like what's on TV, quote unquote, and what's on you know Facebook or whatever, it's it's blurred. You know, Will Smith has a show on Facebook that could easily be on on NBC or or yeah. MTV. So my goal is to be able to produce my own long form content and produce others to give people and other people an opportunity to produce their movies or their web series or their TV shows and produce mine. And just, uh, I, I could do that until the end of time. And I would always do stand up as well. Like the way Jerry Steinfeld made 
doing his show that he could just do stand up for the sheer fun of it, even though he still gets paid. Yeah. Um, that's probably my the, the, the closest example of, of what I want to do. If Tyler Perry and, and Jerry Seinfeld had a baby, that's me. <laughs> I'm Tyler, Tyler Perry and Jerry Seinfeld had a baby. <laughs> that is that's quite a picture. I'll be honest. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> Um, well, right now you are actually headlining a, a like you you're headlining a that real com uh, real comedians of social media tour. Um, you guys are going all over. You were in Raleigh in July, um, and you are just traveling. I mean, you're even going to the UK. Um, yeah, this is amazing. So tell us about kind of your current tour, and then uh, what are your upcoming plans? Yeah, the real comedian social media. This is our second tour, our second year touring. Uh, to myself, Tony Baker, to hear more in Doughboy. And then my wife and I also do our live podcast, The Love Hour. We do that in most of the major cities um, at six. And then we do the comedy show at eight. Um, and we and like traveling the world because of the Internet, traveling the world and doing comedy and being able to independently promote this tour. There's literally no promoter, no investor. It's mm. It's just me. I, I call and book the venues. Now I have a uh, team that helps. But, you know, in the beginning I was calling and booking the venues directly, paying the deposits, you know, doing all that stuff. So, you know, that that is is a is a joy. And I also like doing the unscripted content, writing movies like I I, I, I kind of enjoy them all equally. And I think that's one of the greatest parts about being creative and having options is you could I uh, could do stand up this day. And I have just as much joy doing stand up as I do making a video and I'm learning to play the piano because I want to challenge myself to create even more interesting comedy shows because we don't have like the, I use the word traditional stand-up is because you, you know, it's just you in that stage, but I grew up doing plays. So I like the more entertaining part of stand-up. I mean, traditionally comedians are like, don't do music. Don't do that. You know, it's, it's a, it's hacky, but I found that a lot of people are coming to their first stand-up comedy show anyway. So yeah. I want to put on the most interesting show they could see. So, you know, I just really enjoy where where this is going and I wouldn't trade it for the world. And I talked that much because I forgot what your initial question was. No, no, I think that's awesome. No, I, that that answered my question. And really, ultimately, it was um, what are your upcoming plans? But I just think that that oh, yeah. is, yeah. Yeah, I just had a show on Facebook Watch that just um, – just finished airing. It's called Kev on Everything. And that's an unscripted show where I go and, you know, literally I'm, I'm really confident and I think I can do anything. So I learned to be a hibachi chef and I learned to be an MMA fighter and trained with women and, <laughs> and sparred with a woman and she was attacking me. I was a mechanic. You know, I I mean, it was I, I was a fitness coach. It was all type of random things. So, you know, I had a lot of fun doing that. And, you know, and you can watch that on Facebook. And I feel like you know, we used to make fun of that, you know, oh, you're just on Facebook. And, but now there's shows on Facebook that get more, you know, views than traditional yeah. linear television. So yeah. I'm proud of that. And it's giving people like me an opportunity to, to get those, you know, to get these opportunities when otherwise you had to go the traditional Hollywood road. I think the best thing about the Internet is it changed. And this is even outside of comedy. It changed what was traditional. If you needed to call arrive from the airport to your hotel you took the shuttle or you called a cab yeah now you can uber you can you can lift now you can rent your own house as a hotel room like everything yeah. is not traditional and a lot of companies and people are making you know a lot of money finding out that using the internet is a is a way to to even the playing field yeah 
Yeah, I think that is such an amazing uh, kind of example that you gave is just, yeah, there's so many shows. Like I think of, I love uh, Jada Pinkett Smith's Red Table Talk. Red Table Talk, yeah. It's so good. And it gets like 50 million views an episode, which, I mean, what network cable show gets that many views? Like, Yeah, exactly. And that's like, so the view, for example, like the view, you have to be sitting at home with your TV on to watch the view. Yep. But for a red table talk, you can have your phone in your hand. You can be at work, you can pull it up. Yeah. And when it's off, you can say, Oh, what's that link? I wanted to watch it. You could put it, you know, I I used to commute an hour and a half to work and I had a little um thing in my window and I would just I would play T V shows in my car, you know, podcasts. Like the thing about podcasts that are that's so that I love so much is, you know, when, when we were coming up, you want to listen to your favorite radio host you had to click to their channel. You could only yeah. listen to people that were within your radio frequency. Now, because of the internet, you find a new podcast you like, it doesn't matter where that person lives. Yep. That's your podcast. You subscribe and you listen, you support them, you have ads just the same way that a radio station does. And it's allowed people like me and you to to create an audience that's automatically all over the world. Yeah, yeah. And that's so, that's so dope because we, you know, that's just it wasn't like that before. And I think, you know, if you're talented in any era, you would have made it. You know, I think if you're you have a successful podcast, you were born 30 years ago, you would have found your way. But I think part of us, you know, is figuring out how to do this in a ever changing world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I completely agree. I It makes me think about the fact that I have a um, a listener actually who lives in Ethiopia and every week, like she doesn't have internet in her home, but every week she goes to an internet cafe and downloads my podcast so she can binge it. And like she sent me a message and I was just like, see, th- that is the power of the internet is that this right. woman in Ethiopia walks to an internet cafe every week just to listen to this That's podcast. Crazy. Isn't that crazy? And isn't that such like, it's so powerful yet like yes. such a lot of pressure. It's like, you're doing all that <laughs> to listen to little old me. That's how I feel. At least. Yeah. I'm just like, to me, I'm just making silly videos on the internet. Why yeah. would you walk to the internet cafe to listen to me? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? But people yes. like you and they, you know, you're their entertainment. It's just, you know, it's just people will find a way to, to find their entertainment. Yeah. No, I completely, completely agree. Um, well, Kev, this has been just an amazing conversation. Um, but before we go, uh, we're going to transition just a little bit to okay. uh, one of my favorite parts of the show. And that's just where we ask some fun get-to-know-you questions. Even though we've gotten okay. to know you, these are just kind of some fun, lighthearted questions. And as my <laughs> listeners know, uh, this is also the portion of the show where my executive producer husband, um, who is my, I, I call him my executive producer, um, he inserts like a movie clip or a sound effect to try transition us to the get to know you round so we never know what it's going to be although this week i have a feeling it's probably going to be bobby caldwell's what you won't do for bobby caldwell and get you right every time (laughs) get you right every time gonna call go down there and call bobby caldwell oh man okay so kev are you ready i'm ready bobby caldwell sounds like the person your old uncle's always referencing in every story. You know, you need a car, you go down, you see Bobby Caldwell over on Buick's on Main. Now, he's going to get you into a Skylock and he's going to give you to a good price. You understand me? Now, Bobby Caldwell, you want to talk about somebody who could make some green. Now, usually men don't make the green, but Bobby Caldwell, that boy makes some green. Now, Bobby Caldwell, with the school with him, we went down to Mud River High. You know, Bobby Caldwell was a starting shooting guard for the Mud River uh, uh, Beaver Angles. And I said, Bobby Caldwell, you're going to take the winning shot, and Bobby Caldwell do it every time. Now, Bobby Caldwell, 
Caldwell also went away, did a little time. You know, he sold a little hair on, and you know what I'm saying? But we were selling hair on back in the day. Okay, all the great musicians was on hair on, and Bobby Caldwell was the man they came to see. You want to see something about a man? The man is going to be Bobby Caldwell every time. Uh, now, you already said this earlier. You said about uh, that you are the love child of Tyler Perry and Jerry Seinfeld. Um, but is there like a single comedian that has influenced you the most or would you say it's those two? Um, I think probably. Well, there's a couple of different ones. Like my personal favorites are like Arnest J. Um, yeah. He just was really physical with his comedy. Jonathan Slocum was the first comedian that I heard of that did comedy about the church, mm. but Kevin Hart was the one who used social media to do tours. Yeah. And I, I probably feel like watching him was me, was helping me be like, I could do that because he, you know, blew up and he used YouTube and things like that to his advantage. So I feel like Kevin Hart probably a good, good example. All right. That's good. Uh, what song do you have to sing along with? Anytime you hear it, like if it comes on, like you are contractually obligated to sing along. Oh, that song is weak by SWV. Oh, yes. It's such a big part of my life. And that song is the best 90s R&B song ever. I get so weak in the knees. I can hardly speak. I lose all control. control. (laughs) Yes. See, I already started and it was just you singing. Yes. I feel like I have a moral obligation. So, okay, here's a fun fact about me. Um, so I, uh, when I was in elementary school, like my dream, if you had asked me, um, other than being on Saturday Night Live, my dream was to be in SWV because, really? I, because I thought, you know, that this very white girl from the suburbs of Washington, D.C. would obviously be a great addition to Sisters <laughs> with Voices. Obviously. <laughs> I, I think you're absolutely right. <laughs> like you're that was still a, very, a sister with a voice. Uh, that was a very reasonable goal for me at that age. Absolutely. <laughs> oh man, I now love you even more. You're hilarious. Uh that's awesome <laughs> that we both love SWV. Okay. Uh is there um a joke that you had in a set one time that you just thought was going to absolutely slay it and it was crickets? Oh man, that happens. That still happens to this day. Uh, man, let me count the ways. I could give you an hour of uh, jokes. Um, probably the most. Well, actually, the most recent. Oh, man, what was one that just happened? Um, okay, this is unfortunate. This didn't happen to me. My friend and I were going over a joke about crab legs. He took. A, <laughs> I, I know it's not funny, but he took a, a girl to 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 dinner, and they ordered crab legs. And she took him home in a, in a doggy bag. And he thought that was so weird. Like, you can't take crab legs home. So we were, I mean, having a great time. Like, yeah, crab legs this. And what do you think about that? And what kind of person takes crab legs home? And he did it on stage. And the audience was just like, I would do that. They literally were saying, like, I would do that. So we're like, ah, that was just way funnier in the van than in real life. So, uh, yeah, that's crab legs in a doggy bag. Is funny on a road trip, not funny on stage. <laughs> that is, oh man, that's that's good. That's good. I would have yeah. laughed, but also I probably would have been like, oh yeah, maybe I'd, I'd probably take cr- crab legs. So I'm gonna steam them. Yeah. Just when you get home, just re-steam them. Be fine. You can get some butter, yeah. melt it. Good we to go. I I got a crab leg cracker at home. I can get one of those things that just like cracks them open. Uh, the crab legs are so much work though. 
They are okay. So, uh, I'm gonna tell you this, Molly. Okay, and you're gonna have to not judge me. I'm not judging you. Okay. Um, I don't know if I can say it, but I'm gonna have to. <laughs> hey, <sighs> we're friends. It's so okay. Listen. This is a safe zone. I have been. I have been blessed to have um, a better financial situation these last couple years than when I first started life. Now, at these fine restaurants, <laughs> you can buy for an expense. They will give you the crab legs pre-cracked. Wait, what? And, yes. So High Steakhouse in Hawaii. There's a place in L.A. I just went to uh, Shaw's Crab House in Chicago. And these are all within like the last couple of months. The crab legs are already steamed. The drawn butter is there. And they have taken the time to crack like I, I mean you know the crab legs when you like crack it perfectly and the meat comes out like one long piece of glorious meat yes all of them are like that what and it's it's now it's like 95 bucks sometimes i literally <laughs> did this uh in chicago and it was it was it was uh 95 bucks for a pound and a half and i was like okay that's a lot of meat but it was literally two two king crab legs and i was like oh my gosh i just spent 90 dollars on Two, two of crab's legs. But because they were pre-crapped, it was worth yeah. it. And you save so much on time. So, like that time oh, is worth yeah, it. You have all the, there's not so much like, you know, when you crack them, the juice flies all over you, <laughs> which is part of the experience. But also, <laughs> it doesn't have to be that way anymore. You don't have to even worry about cracking your own crab legs. And that, my friend, is success. That is success. Pre-cracked crab legs <laughs> is the life I never knew I needed. Oh, that is amazing. Kev, that is amazing. You have just blown my mind and and now have also <laughs> set a goal for me that I did not know I needed to reach. Yes. You got to hit me when you find a restaurant that does pre-cracked crab Oh, legs. I will. I will. <laughs> oh, I will. All right. I have two more questions for you. Um, and okay. one of them is, you know, I, I, I thought about asking this question uh, because it's, it's a question that I just genuinely want to know the answer to. Um, and I feel like we're now uh, at the, the point in our new friendship um, where I oh, feel we're like, best friends. yeah, we're best friends where I feel it's okay to ask this question. Um, so uh, as, as somebody who um, I, I live now in Durham, North Carolina, and I, uh, hey. I yeah, Durham. Are, are, do you know Durham? Yeah, you come to Durham? Yeah, John P. Key, my favorite, one of my favorite gospel singers is from Durham, North Carolina, outside the county line. That's awesome. Yeah, we, yeah. we love it here. I've been here 10 years now and wouldn't change it for the world. I love this area. Um, but I hear all the time uh, my black friends talking about the cookout. Okay, and they talk about... <laughs> the cookout restaurant or the actual... The actual, actual cookout. cookout. Like the, you know, okay. the cookout. And they're like, you get invited yeah. to the cookout. And and I I I know that the, that a lot of times like white people will say like but I want to be invited to the cookout because it's kind of like a metaphor for like you just want to be cool, right? Yes. Right. Okay. Yes. But I yes. have a question because there is a literal cookout, not the restaurant, but there is a home that my husband and I we drive past all the time. It's about a mile away from our house, and mm-hmm. it is this family that. Every weekend, they are throwing the most uh, dope cookout I have ever seen in my life, and I want to know how to be invited. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, because, not, 
I don't want to be invited to the proverbial community cookout. I want to go to their house and eat <laughs> their food. <laughs> because let me, this is not a metaphor, okay? But I'm, I'm just wondering because all, uh, like, literally, I have, you know, and this is not like me being like, oh, like, I'm a white person who says, oh, I have a black friend. No, I'm really sorry. Right. Uh, no, this right. is not what I'm saying. I'm saying, like, literally all of, <laughs> growing up, my black friends talked about the cook, uh, the cookout. Yeah. In college, my black friends talked about the cookout. And I'm like, guys, I just want an invite to the cookout. And now I see an actual cookout that looks amazing. Like, it starts out on Friday. They got, like, yeah. 30 cars out there. They got, like, four smokers. Uh, not like people smoking cigarettes, like, you know, smoking meat. Uh, <laughs> they've got uh, like eight grills out. Like everybody's bringing a side dish. And I'm like, I would be really fun at this cookout. I will bring, I will bring food. I promise not to put raisins or grapes in the potato salad. Ah, I'm like, just going to say. <laughs> I promise. <laughs> that's the make sure you bring the right thing. Yeah. And that, that's, that's you. You already are on the right track. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh uh yeah i mean it, but literally it goes from friday until like sunday and they are still out there cooking and i'm like man that that looks like like last weekend they had a bouncy house i was like yes this cookout looks Dang, amazing they're really doing it yes Yes. And so I just wanted to know if you had any advice for me as to how I could get yes, invited okay. to this cookout. So here's the thing. Um we, you got to you got to you have to to bring something, right? Yeah. And that's that's your that's your first in. Now obviously you don't want to see the thing that the reason the potato salad is so important is black people that's like we love the potato salad. Imagine the green bean green bean casserole at white people's Christmas. <laughs> Ew, white, green bean casserole is disgusting. I will just say that, <laughs> but I know what you're talking about. You don't like it? Oh, no. You're already a step in there. <laughs> but in a lot of white families, they they love the green bean casserole, and only the best cook gets to make it. That's oh, potato salad. Okay. For black people, see, that's what white people mess up. In their in their barbecues, the potato salad is just something you pick up from the store. It's like, oh, you might grab some, you might not. Macaroni salad, like in. In the black culture, the potato salad is how you judge a, a person's ability Ooh. to even be at the barbecue. So stay away from that. Okay, I won't. I won't do that. Even if it's good, even if it's good, likely the person who's making it is somebody's mom or grandma, mm. and you can't compete with their mom's cooking. It doesn't. No. Your, yours could be better, but they can't say, "Oh yeah, your potato salad is killing my mom." It, it, it'd be a shame. They might feel that way, but they'll never say it. <laughs> so what I would do is bring something that's cookout worthy that you really kill at. Mm. Maybe a dessert. Desserts are always safe. Okay. You bake an apple pie. You bring the hey, we saw you in the neighborhood. Your food smells so good. We just want to, you know, bring this apple pie over. Everybody loves apple pie, but if it's not the best apple pie, nobody's going to be upset. Yeah. You know, so they're like, oh, this person's great. And then and the key to black barbecue, you have to bring something. Yeah. Our barbecues are community. Yeah. We, we can't throw them unless everybody pitches in. We just don't do it. I'm not going to front the bill for the whole barbecue. Why? <laughs> You're going to eat some. Yeah. And we're not talking about cups and plates. You bring ribs. Yeah. I'll cook them. You bring chicken. Now we've got. A community experience. So, you know, you can either bring ribs to cook, but that's weird to bring raw meat. Yeah. On your first entry, it's like, hey, what are you doing with raw meat in your hand? <laughs> so a, a, a great dessert is your best way in. It's an offering, living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. 
and that'll probably work. Oh my gosh. This is the most valuable advice I've ever received in my life. Kev, I really appreciate uh, you being willing. Like, this is interracial conversation goals right here. I love Absolutely. it. Absolutely. We can appreciate and respect and admire each other's cultures. And I just really want that invite. So I'm going to go home and I'm going to work on an apple pie recipe that is just going to sling. Perfect. It. Perfect. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And really, what? I just want to talk to my friends uh, listening who are white. Why does everybody like green bean casserole? It's disgusting. Yeah, it's on the side of like every French onion bag. Yes. Of soup. They're like, green bean casserole. like, okay, people should know by now. Yeah, no, it's not good. It's not good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, this has been so much fun. Okay, Kev, this is my last question. And this is the question okay. I ask all my guests. And that is, what does it mean to you to run a business with purpose? Um, that's a great question. My purpose is, uh, what it means to me is to do a business that I'm proud of, that my children can be proud of, and that uplifts and empowers those around me. Mm. I'm big on, on helping my friends and family grow. I don't want to be the person that's filthy rich and everybody around me that's, that's helping me has to struggle. So I want to empower my people, help them, you know, grow. Like the Real Comedians Tour is going to go on tour next year without me. And Tony Baker, who's who's um, featuring now, is going to be the headliner. And I'm going to continue investing in a tour. And I want Tony to, 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 to reap the financial benefit and grow his, his presence in the world. And, and that's, that's powerful to me. I'm working on a movie with a friend of mine who's writing the movie. And, you know, we're going to produce. I'm going to produce it. We're going to make it together, and that'll be his first feature film that's written. You know, one of our producers has a podcast. You know, if, if she needs some help producing that, that's that's kind of what we're there for, is to help kind of bring everybody up around us. You know, not no hangers on, but, you know, people who are willing to work. My brother-in-law just quit his job and is now taking over merchandise for the business because it was growing too fast, and, and, and none, nobody on our current team could could own it. Yeah. So business with purpose is, is empowering myself and others to achieve their goals. Oh, that's so good. Kev, this has been just a joy. Uh, I am so grateful for you and uh, just the way that you are making me laugh and making so many others, millions literally around the world, laugh each and every day. Thank you for for what you're doing and the way that you model um, just such a, you and your wife and your incredible, beautiful family. Uh, y'all are awesome. So thank you so much for taking the time uh, to come of on course. the show today. Thank you for having me. Oh my goodness, I was so grateful for Kev coming on the show and just his willingness to just be real and honest and just have an open conversation and he just made me laugh. I admire him and respect him and just adore him and his family so much. So I hope you loved this show too. I would love to know what you loved about this episode. Maybe something that really just made you laugh. Let me know on social media. You can find me at Still Being Molly or at Business with Purpose Podcast on Instagram or Facebook. And be sure to tag at Kev on stage too when you share the episode. Don't forget to use that hashtag Business with Purpose podcast. Another huge thank you to our sponsor, The Happiness Planner. Visit thehappinessplanner.com and use the coupon code LIVEWITHPURPOSE for 10% off. 
Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you're a first-time listener of the show, welcome. Be sure to visit the archives for so many past shows featuring incredible entrepreneurs who are changing the world. And if you're a regular listener, thank you so much for your support week in and week out. Be sure to head on over to iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast listening app and click that subscribe button to make sure that you never miss a new episode of the show. And while you're there, would you mind taking a moment to leave a review? Leaving a review helps me to know what you're liking and how the show is personally impacting you. This show is edited by my amazing husband and executive producer, John Stillman, with support from Kelly Dalton, and the music is by Mark Killian of Third Wheel Media. Thank you so much for listening. Now go do something good with purpose on purpose. <laughs>